We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into an NFL Week 8 edition of the Rotowire Sports Gambling Pod. Nick Whalen, John McKechnie here with you as we are every week to break down each game on the NFL slate. And John, we, we've survived by apocalypse. We had six teams off last week. It was it was brutal. You know, it felt barren. It felt like we were we were being shortchanged. Three fewer games than normal, but zero bye weeks in week eight. Everybody is back in action. Uh, our goal for the next hour, help you make some money, you know, help you decide if you're trying to lean one way or the other on some of these games. A lot of tough lines out there. We'll talk through, we'll give you our leans, we'll hand out some props that we like, we'll give you our favorite parlays teasers best bets of the week at the end of the pod so make sure you stick around for that uh john let's begin with thursday night football and you know as usual we're recording this late thursday afternoon so if you're not watching live you know chances are this game is is in progress or has already happened but we'll give some brief thoughts on buccaneers bills and then we will move on to the sunday slate john i I know you're looking at the bucks here uh, as a a potential uh, underdog spot i am uh that it's just that's a lot of points to, to trust with the Bills in general right now. And then the fact that it's also a Thursday nighter, um, even if the Bills are a little bit healthier at key spots, I, I think that that is just too much right now. I I, I think that there are some concerns with with, uh, with the Buccaneers in their secondary. So I'm looking for Stephon Diggs to have a nice night. Um, so I'd be interested in, in his prop. I think uh, last I saw was uh, 87 and a half. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that, uh, we're looking pretty good on the over there. I do like the under on, on Dalton Kincaid with the 41 and a half uh, yards. I know a lot of people are expecting him to, to go over that. I'm sure that that's going to be a popular prop with, with Dawson Knox being out, but get, consider me a doubter um, for, for now. And I, I think if there's a strength in the Buccaneers secondary, it is um, it, it, at the safety spots and also their linebackers are getting coverage. But beyond that, um, I, I think that the Bills without Tredavious White uh, can be thrown on. I think the Bucks can't run, so they're going to throw a lot. They're going to test that secondary. So I, I think the Bucks will find a way to to stay within this number. Yeah, I like that Stefan Diggs call. I mean, coming off of 58 yards last week against New England. Uh, prior to that, had four straight 100-yard games. Also went under 100 or went over 100, I should say, in Week One uh, against the Jets. So I think he gets back on track. You know, after after Diggs has one of those games, you know, there's usually some barking, there's some disappointment, there's some disagreements on the bench, and. Uh, almost always, you know, he comes back strong the next game. So that's a good call there. Uh, all right, let's focus our attention on the Sunday slate, John. Uh, you know, if you're listening, you have a few days to to ruminate, uh, to decide where you want to allocate your funds for this week. And we'll begin, we'll be going chronologically down the fantastic odds comparison page over at rotowire.com. Texans, Panthers, John, two teams 
coming off of a week seven bye. This line has moved a little bit uh, in favor of the Houston Texans. They are on the road. Uh, Texans three and a half point favorites against the Panthers. 43 and a half is the total new play caller in place for Carolina. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think the Panthers are as bad as, as their record may indicate, uh, you know, these teams that, that almost make it halfway to the season without a win. It's like, typically those are like some of the worst teams that you can remember, you know, over a given period. I don't really view the Panthers in that light. You know, they, they've had some bad breaks. They, the offense has stalled out just about every week. My question to you, are the Panthers a live dog here? The way you're framing it, I feel like you you got some interest on, on the Panther side of this. I, I, I maybe maybe at I, home, at home coming off the buy. They're both coming off the buy, like you said. But um, I don't know. I'm I've just been a Texans believer all season, all off season, and I, I think that this is an interesting spot. Obviously, you get some fun storylines like the the number one overall pick versus the number two overall pick. Uh, are the Panthers having some buyer's remorse? Maybe at the at this maybe, exact moment maybe. they are, perhaps. Um, but beyond that, um, I, I just feel like that the the Panthers' offense is so monochromatic. Like it, it's it's basically is Adam Thielen picking up a first down, or uh, are they going three and out? Like it, it just it it's so uh, like kind of easy to to predict. And maybe the the new player play caller will be able to um, you know kind of mix things up a little bit, make things a, a little bit more difficult on, on the Texans' defense. But I, I think this Texans' offense is primed to be in a good spot here. Um, even if it's a, that tricky number three and a half, um, I do like the Texans, but I'm not quite strong enough on it to uh, to include it on our card. But I am interested in the fact that, it, you know, your kind of snap judgment was on the Panthers. You know, at three and a half, that's that's kind of what gets me like, I, I, again, I don't think Carolina is that bad. And, you know, with Houston, I, I'm still struggling to fully buy in. You know, CJ Stroud seems legit at this point. Right. I, I don't think there's going to be necessarily some, you know, hard adjustment to a rookie wall for him. Like I, I think he's, he's just going to be a very good quarterback uh, going forward and should only get better as the season goes along. But, you know, in terms of just when you stack up the talent on both of these sides, like I don't, I don't think Houston is like a dramatically better team. Um, you know, I think three and a half is just a little too much for me. And I, I think coming out of the bye, this could be a spot uh, where, where Carolina not only covers, but, but maybe gets, its first win of the season at the very least, I think this is going to be competitive. So I, I don't feel strongly enough to include it. You know, I putting a, an Owen six team on our circuit card this week just would not feel right. Uh, especially after the, the atrocities that, that we committed last week. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I have some interest in the Panthers, but not quite enough uh, to include it there. Good note from the action network, by the way, um, you know, preseason Texans were an underdog in this game. Obviously they are now favored uh, teams in those situations since 2019, 42 and 81. ATS uh, and six and nine ATS this season. So uh, a trend to keep an eye on there. Let's move on to the LA Rams and the Dallas Cowboys. This, this game feels like it should be in the late window. Doesn't it like Rams Cowboys just screams like three twenty five start to me for some reason. Uh, and yet it is in the early window. It's in Dallas. We're in central time Cowboys, six point favorites at the DraftKings Sportsbook. You'll see some six and a halfs elsewhere. I know FanDuel bet MGM have it at six and a half right now. Um, is this John a potential underdog play for you? I, I know you you have some interest in the Rams. I do. Um, I think the Rams are a, a solid team. Uh, you know, I, I'm not necessarily expecting them to, to make the postseason or anything uh, in the current NFC climate, but uh, I think that they are a tough out. I, I think that six to six and a half points is a little bit of disrespect. I, I think that there's maybe a little bit of just. Uh, the public loves betting on the, on the Cowboys at, at play here, and that, that's why we see a, a number this inflated. I know the Cowboys have the rest advantage coming off the bye. Rams obviously coming off a disappointing loss at, at home 
uh, to the Steelers, but I, I think that they match up well. I think that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, no Trevon Diggs on, on the Cowboys side. I think that uh, Matthew Stafford should be in line for one of his bigger days of the season. They'll need to button up the turnovers. They're going to need to keep him upright, of course, but uh, nice little homecoming game for, for one Matthew Stafford from Highland Park, Texas. And uh, I, I feel like, uh, the, yeah, that's right. Uh, him and Clayton Kershaw. Do you know that they used to hang out? Um, but beyond we're not that, into that. Um, we're not doing that. Oh uh, yeah, I got Jake Fromm ones. I I got no, a million no, no, of them. No, 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 no. Stay no. focused. All right, we're we're cutting them off. But bottom line here, I think that in addition to the Rams being able to push uh, the the Cowboys defense, I, I think that the Cowboys offense is in a bit of a, a weird spot right now, and I'm not sure that the bye week alone is enough to fix that. So I know that the Rams don't have a great defense on paper. But even still, I think the way that Dak Prescott is playing right now, very mistake prone, this could kind of get a little bit hairy for for the Cowboys. So I do like the Rams to cover this one on the road. Yeah, I'm with you, John. I'm with you. This this is too big of a number for me. I I, I still respect the Rams. Um, you know, I, I do have questions about how that offensive line is going to hold up against Dallas. You know, they're one of the best pressure rate teams in the NFL. Uh, you look at some of the PFF numbers; they continue to slide on a weekly basis for that Rams offensive line. So that's, that's a concern. You know, if Matthew Stafford is sacked four five, six times in this game, then yeah, I don't think the Rams are winning, but if they can, if they can keep him relatively protected, I actually like the Rams chances here. I think you got two receivers to exploit, you know, it's been a pretty shaky Dallas secondary. And you know, to me, it, it feels like the, the general vibe with the Cowboys was all right. They, they won that game against the chargers. They're, they're kind of back now. They're, they're rolling again, going into the bye. It's like, what, what does it mean if you beat the two and four LA chargers? Like everybody can beat the chargers. That's right. They, they can and they often do. So I, I put very little stock into uh, beating the Chargers who had no real uh, home field advantage beyond uh, Chargers girl. So that, that doesn't really uh, hold a whole lot of water for me. So um, I, I think the Rams might be the liveliest dog th- this week, in fact. OK, OK, we like it. We're in agreement on the Rams. Let's move on to Vikings Packers NFC North battle. Uh, this line has been all over the place. Uh, you know, the, the the look ahead back in August was Vikings minus one. Uh, at one point, you know, it was Packers minus two and a half. Uh, it is now, you know, kind of flipped back the other way to Minnesota minus one and a half. And from my perspective, John, that makes sense. I, I am struggling to find reasons to buy in on this Green Bay Packers team right now. It's like if you if you can't get a buy and you know, go to Denver, the worst defense in the NFL, one of the worst defenses historically that we've seen in a very long time. And you once again, come out flat for the fourth game in a row. Green Bay has scored six total points in its last four first halves. That's eight total quarters with six points. You just can't keep living like that. And I know that the offense has, you know, woken up to some degree in the second half of those games and they've been competitive, but man, it's, it feels like Jordan Love, you know, just kind of decision-making has not been there. You know, the deep throws have been disastrous i think he's like six of 27 throwing Oof. further than 20 yards down the field he's got a bunch of picks in those scenarios too um i, I don't, i'm not even that high on the vikings I, I don't think the vikings are good i think i think they pulled off you know somewhat of a fluky win uh the other night against the 49ers you get three turnovers in that game you have you know one that probably should have been a turnover turns into a touchdown um like I, to me that was somewhat of a, a false final and i think if those teams play 10 times the vikings probably lose eight or nine um but I, i'm just i'm struggling to find a reason to buy in on green bay here other than Hey, they're at home at Lambeau Field, and that, I don't know if that's good enough. Right, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm buying high on the Vikings, um, and yeah. and you know, le- leading into the last couple of weeks, it's been like, uh, the Vikings are, are trash. You know, they right. they are who we we thought they were all along last year. But Kirk Cousins is playing at an extremely high level, even without Justin Jefferson. Jordan Addison ha- has like officially arrived. I know that there's some injuries 
um, in that Packers secondary. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, e- even if it feels a little fishy uh, to, to be buying back in on the Vikings at this stage, I, I think the Packers are really um, in a tough spot, even with the fact uh, that, that they are at home. So uh, I will go with the Vikings here, but I, I uh, am stopping just shy of, of saying that we need to include it on the card. I'll think about that one. That, that's one that I might I might try to sell you on. Uh, you mentioned the injuries in the Green Bay secondary. Uh, you know, both Darnell Savage and Eric Stokes going on IR this week. That is that is brutal. Uh, you know, Jair Alexander was back at practice, but he was limited earlier this week. Didn't play last week. Uh, obviously, if he's back, that that changes things for Green Bay, especially in that that matchup versus Jordan Addison. But um, you have to think that even if he does play, he'd be limited. We'll see. You know, DeAndre, Devondre Campbell could potentially get back for this game. Kind of the same situation as. As Alexander, where if he plays, you know, you, you do wonder, you know, what percentage he's at. And then most importantly for Green Bay, Aaron Jones limited again at Thursday's practice. We saw him on the field against Denver. And, and part of the reason that I was I was actually pretty in on Green Bay last week. We thankfully did not include them in Circa, but I had a pretty high in my pick'em league. I, I thought that was a, a very winnable bounce back spot for Green Bay. And Aaron Jones played 21 snaps. Like that that tells me that there's still something up with him. Like they, they had a drive to potentially go down and win the game late in the fourth quarter and Aaron Jones wasn't out there for a single play. Right. That that's very, very telling. And then, you know, the, the practice report, you know, you can always kind of pick up on, on the trajectory in which a, a player is trending uh, through following along Wednesday through Friday. And that, that does not sound great. And a, as we've established for many weeks on, on this podcast, AJ Dillon is not it. So he's not, that, it, he's not him. He's no, out of him. Far from it. No, not, not even close. So um, if, if there's no Jones and, you know, this Packers receiving core has like a, a litany of kind of like interesting players, but it doesn't feel like one that you can bank on week to week, whether it's Romeo Dobbs, uh, Jaden Reed, Christian Watson, you you name it. But it, it's like some of the sometimes they can click. Sometimes uh, they just sort of disappear. Uh, Dan Orlovsky was kind of making some interesting points on uh, on part of my take yesterday about uh, the, the Packers offense just kind of not being as inventive this year. And it's a little bit of a chicken in the egg, right? Because you obviously can't do the same things with Jordan Love that you could with Aaron Rodgers, but also Jordan Love needs to hold up his end of the bargain a little bit better. So not only is this uh, Packers offense a little stagnant and predictable, but you also are getting subpar quarterback play. So give me the Vikings. Mm -hmm. I'm with you there, man. I also like the under on 42 uh, for this game. Vikings uh, have just one over on the year thus far. And, you know, obviously we, we don't really expect a whole lot out of the Green Bay offense at this point. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, speaking of bad offense, the New Orleans Saints, John, are on the road at the Indianapolis Colts. Saints favored by one. Total is sitting at 44. Uh, you know, this, this has been an interesting one to track. Uh, you know, kind of holding with, with what the look ahead was. That was one and a half. Uh, you know, it's kind of been, been bouncing between one and one and a half the last couple of days. Really, really tough one for me. I mean, Saints games in general. I feel like every week I, I'm just puzzled when we get to get to the New Orleans Saints. Me too. Um, you know, what, whether it was the Patriots game, uh, the the game against the Jaguars last week. I mean, the the list goes on. Like the Saints are impossible to figure out. They they are the team that I least like to to bet uh, on on either side because I, I feel like I, I have no real pulse on them. Uh, Carr obviously was mistake prone last week, and and you know that. Just like the, that game against the Texans and, and the one against the Jaguars, set up in a position where they, they could win the game, and they, there's some kind of boneheaded play calling, and and uh, all of a sudden, or maybe some some hero ball on on Carr's part. Although Foster Moreau did drop that touchdown last week, to be fair, um, but Carr seems to be not the cleanest fit with the Saints so far. Um, we're going to have to see some some more mixing and matching. I'm not saying that it's going to be Jameis time, but I, I think we could see Taysom Hill take over a little bit and Taysom Hill is a weapon. Everyone hates him for, for fantasy purposes. He's, he's annoying. He steals uh, he's a red zone carries. He really is. But watching him with, with like no fantasy interests, like I like watching this guy play. He, he can do pretty much everything. He can make catches in traffic. He pulls people over. It's pretty fun. Um, so all that being said, you go on the other side, Gardner Minshew historically really bad against the spread. This is a close one. I know, I know obviously that Indianapolis covered last week and one of the more, you know, kind of aberrational games of the entire season against the Browns hanging 38 on that defense. I don't even know if any team will, will, will come close to that the rest of the season on Cleveland. So all of this to say, um, I, I'm fading the the Indianapolis Colts coming off of a, a good performance. I think that that comes back to earth. I think the Saints defense is good enough for them to go in there and get the get the road victory. Yeah, this is another under that I like at, at 44. Um, yeah. I, I think we do see some regression. That was just that was a, just an all-time weird game, you know, Colts-Browns last week. Uh, I think you're right. I don't think the Browns, I mean, they, they might go the rest of the year not allowing 30 points to anybody. Uh, thankfully, they don't have to face Minshew again. But that was just, I mean, big plays, fluky plays, broken coverages all over the place. Uh, it was just a, a weird, weird game from the start, wire to wire. Uh, so I, I think we kind of throw that out to some degree. You know, Gardner Minshew quietly riding a two-game, four-turnover streak. We'll see if he can keep that up this week. Um, you know, I, it, it's so tough. I, I don't have a, really a lean here. I, I actually would probably just, you know, take the home team, take the points with the Colts. Uh, I, I don't really trust New Orleans. I mean, they got, like, booed off the field in the first quarter last Thursday against against Jacksonville. Like, something just seems 
a little bit wrong internally there. Like, I, I don't know if they're putting up with or picking up what Derek Carr is putting down. Uh, there's a lot mm-hmm. of frustration. You know, it's third and eight. He's throwing short of the sticks. And, you know, Alvin Kamara just looks lost. Chris Olave looks like he's done with Derek Carr. So I, I don't think there's I don't think there's a lot of positive momentum coming out of the New Orleans side. And, you know, outside of that 34 nothing beatdown of the Patriots a couple of weeks ago, uh, New Orleans has beaten the Panthers by three. They've beaten the Titans by one, you know, squeaked out both of those. And in their other games, you know, they've scored 16, 20, 17, 9, 13, and 24. You know, it's just it, this offense just can't really get it going against anybody but the New England Patriots. So I, I don't really trust either offense here. I, I think my favorite play would be the under on that total of 44. Let's go to New England and Miami. Fun game here. Uh, a lot more fun based on what we saw last week from New England. I mean, this looked like a, a potential like train wreck spot for the Patriots had they not shown up last week against Buffalo, but it started to feel a, a little bit better uh, about New England. I, I don't know that I'm quite ready to, to buy in. I think the vast majority of the sample this season would tell us that New England is not a very good team and, you know, could be in some major trouble here. They, they always struggle at Miami, even when New England was the best team in the league for a while, it felt like this was always the trip up spot every year. Um, so I, I, I'm not, not super optimistic on the Pats here. I, I know you, you feel a little bit better about them covering. And, and part of that is you, know, you got some key players banged up on the Dolphins side. Yes, we, we do. It, it looked like Tyreek was back at practice this week. That's the big thing um, because I think they could survive uh, without Mostert. But uh, Tyreek, uh, if he was to be out or limited, I, I think would really kind of change the entire uh, structure of this Miami offense in such a way that that all of a sudden they'd be out of sorts. Um, I think New England played them reasonably tough in that Sunday nighter earlier on in the season. And, you know, they, they did play well last week in that win over Buffalo. No one was expecting that. They were nine and a half point underdogs in that one, I believe, and, and yeah. uh, you know, won that one outright. Um, you know, to your point, uh, New England under Belichick tends to struggle uh, down in Miami. But, um, you know, and if you're looking at those spread numbers, there were oftentimes, you know, Patriots favored by a lot. So that this is a the shoes on the other foot here. Uh, you're, you're trusting the Dolphins with, with 10 points. I know it's not a great uh, side on, on New England, but I think if New England can kind of control the clock and maintain possession, run the ball against a, a kind of soft Miami defense, maybe that that uh, will be enough to kind of keep Miami off the field. I think Miami wins this one, but it's more like a touchdown game. So with that in mind, two and a half points in, of value for uh, the Patriots. I, I do like New England here. Mac Jones, 1-11 ATS as a dog. Since the start of last season, uh, I think Oof. we know where that that one win came less than a week ago. Uh, he is five and zero ATS against the Jets. That's good. Uh, all of those coming against Zach Wilson, eleven twenty two and one ATS against all other quarterbacks. He has also never beat the Dolphins against the spread. So uh, I don't know. I, I still lean Miami here. Like as long as Tyree kills in, as long as Jalen Waddle is in, as long as Raheem Mostert is in, I, I think this is a bounce back spot. For Miami, they've, they've taken care of business against all the average to below average teams. And I think they're, they're going to carry season long questions about, all right, can they show up against the Buffaloes and Cincinnati's and Kansas City's and Phillies of the world? But I think they've they've already proven pretty definitively that when they have when they have the speed advantage, when they have the schematic advantage, they're, they're going to take advantage of that. Um, you know, Mac Jones also one of 14 straight up when the opponent scores more than 24 points. So I I, I, I see your logic as this being, you know, maybe a seven point game. I, I could get on board with that. I, I certainly don't see New England, you know, pulling the upset two weeks in a row because I, I think Miami scored more than 24 points here. That's a, that's a very good point. So, uh, yeah, the, New England is not built for, for a track meet. Um, and, and you know, that, that could be coming their way with, with all the uh, injuries on their defense. You know, last time that they played, they, they had both Matthew Judon and Christian Gonzalez. Not the case 
this time around, but I, I'm sticking to my guns here. I'm, yeah. I'm going with, with New England to, to hang on. It's going to be sweaty. And, you know, you can, I, anytime that you're betting against Miami, you could see it going so, so south because they're, they are so explosive. But literally, yeah. In this, in, in this case, I will, uh, I will hold my nose and, and take the points. I will say, I'm looking at the weather for, for Miami on Sunday and at noon, chance of rain. Says showers, uh, according to our good friends at weather.com, 17 mile per hour winds. So not maybe not exactly the you know hot and steamy Miami environment that that you would typically picture. Uh, all right, John, before, yeah, before we move on, it's football season at Circa Resort Casino in Las Vegas. We love Circa. We go there every year for the annual Rotowire trip. Uh, we're playing in the Circa Billion Contest this year. Make sure you check out our picks. You can find those on YouTube and Twitter each week. Uh, Circa has the best pool in history, John, and it's called Stadium Swim. Three levels, six pools a 143-foot diagonal screen. Circus Swim is America's favorite place to watch football. They play every game, college, pros. You can watch the World Series there next week. You can catch all the action poolside from a variety of seating options, including everything from cozy daybeds to private temperature-controlled cabanas. Even the cabanas have TVs in them. You could watch like literally anything you want. Stadium Swim, it's located at Circus Resort and Casino, and it's open 365 days a year, all sports, all seasons. Book your stay today at CircaLasVegas.com. That is CircaLasVegas.com. All right, Jets-Giants. The Battle of New York, John. Uh, Jets are two-and-a-half-point favorites. They are they are technically on the road, uh, although this this plays as, as more of a neutral site game. It uh, should be a pretty even split, you would think, between Jets and Giants fans. 36-and-a-half uh, is our total. Uh, and I will tell you, John, uh, that is not the lowest on the board. And you know, we'll, we'll get to that game uh, in a little bit here. But 36-and-a-half, somehow the second lowest total of the week. Uh, what what do you see in here? Uh, I just don't see a reason to to like the Giants here. I know that they they played a little bit better uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, got the win against Washington last week, and obviously we're we're you know a, a couple of boneheaded plays away from from pulling the upset uh, in Buffalo. But Jets well rested, uh, Reese Hall running extremely well, going to be you know fresh in, in this spot. And I think that the big problem here is that the, this is a really bad matchup for, for the Giants offensive line. Like almost any defensive line could, could control the line of scrimmage against the Giants. But when you're talking about the Jets, you might be talking about the best one in football. So that's going to be a, it could be a really long day. I think if Saquon Barkley is unable to get going, which would likely be the case in that scenario, then the Giants are just going to be relying on Zach Wilson turnovers. And certainly you can't rule those out. Mm-hmm. But you know, those are flukier plays. So I think that the safer bet is to just take uh, the underdog, or I'm sorry, the, the favorite in this one. You're, you're given two and a half. That's not too much to ask, I, I don't think, of the Jets, especially if the Jets defense holds the Giants under 10 points, which is kind of what I'm envisioning here. Yeah, I, I'm struggling to find reasons to back the Giants as well. I, I I do think they actually dominated that game last week against Washington a little bit more then the score would indicate, um, you know, had a, had a drive stall out, you know, deep in, in Washington territory due to a fumble. Uh, so there's a couple of things, you know, when it gets them, but for the most part, they, they were able to control that one from start to finish. Does look like it's going to be Tyrod Taylor again uh, at quarterback. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing though, for the giants. You know, you, you look at him compared to Daniel Jones. I mean, he's 15th in EPA per play uh, with Tyrod Taylor. They're 33rd at EPA per play uh, with, with, with Daniel Jones, or at least he ranks 33rd among quarterbacks. Uh, depth of target has increased significantly under Tyrod Taylor. So uh, you know, both guys are you know equally mobile. I, I don't know. Maybe there's a little noise in that sample. Obviously, it's only two games. Uh, the Giants have played their best two games of the year 
with Tyrod Taylor, but something to keep in mind there. Um, you know, another good stat from the Action Network here, and unfortunately this goes against the Jets. Uh, underdogs in games with a total below 42 this season, John, are 23-8-1 ATS. Mm. So that would that would fit the Giants, that would fit the Cleveland Browns, uh, and that would fit the Tennessee Titans on this week's slate. Um, you know, I say it every week, but the Action Network puts out awesome betting notes, pretty much everything you can need all in one spot. So go check that out. Um, with all that said, I, I still feel like the Jets are the side here. Coming out of the bye, you got more time to prepare. I, I, I think this improvement that we've seen from the Giants, like it, it's somewhat real because I, I don't think they were as bad as they were you know, the first few games of the year. Like They were just awful, right? And it's like, all right, we, we know that there's a better team in there, but they're still really banged up. You know, Even Saquon Barkley's still on the injury report. Waller's banged up. We know about the offensive line. So uh, I, I, I'm not saying that the Jets are, are going to win this in a romp, but I'd, I'd still feel pretty comfortable with the Jets, especially at two yeah, two and a half for sure. I, I like the number. You know, yeah. we're we only have to cover a field goal. Uh, I do like the Jets here, although that that is a great nugget about uh, underdogs in those in these uh, low total slugfests. Next game on the slate, another noon game: Jacksonville and Pittsburgh. Jaguars two and a half point favorites at the Steelers. Jags looking for five in a row. Uh, they have a bye in Week Nine, a much needed bye. I mean, they've played. Uh, you know, last year was, or last week, I should say, against the Saints. That was their fourth game in 19 days. Uh, you know, getting a, a little extra extra rest here coming in uh, after playing on Thursday. Total is sitting at 41. Uh, interesting line here, though. I mean, the, the look ahead when this first opened was Pittsburgh minus one. Uh, I was up to, to as high as Jags minus three earlier this week. Has now settled at two and a half. This is, this is just screaming stay away to me. Yep, yeah, same here. Because I, I can't have a, a coherent thought on, on the Steelers. It, it just, it's impossible, but you, you do always seem to, to trust them when, when they are an underdog and they're an underdog at home in this spot. So Jags obviously going to be well-rested, of course, everything like that. So, you know, but just, if you were just looking at this with, with no gambling knowledge whatsoever, you, you, you definitely like the Jags here, but there, there's just something about this Steelers team. They, they ugly things up for the opponent. Just enough. And I thought Kenny Pickett looked okay last week. I mean, you just get the ball to George Pickens and Deontay Johnson, and usually decent things will happen, if not good things. And, you know, going up against this Jags defense, I I don't think that Pittsburgh will be able to run much, but I think that they will be able to to sustain enough drives to stay in this one, potentially get the win. Um, This is is very tricky. I think it's the hardest game uh, on the board, other than maybe the the Saints game. So uh, I'm staying out on this one. But if I had to pick a side, I'm going with the home dog. Yeah, even trying to set my Jaguars bias aside, I, I have this as my one-pointer in Pick'em this week. I I, I don't know. I, I feel like this, the schedule is going to catch up to the Jags at some point. I actually thought it might last week, and it did. You know, the, the Saints rallied back. I had a chance to to tie that game or potentially win it late, and, and obviously the Jags' defense ended up holding. But, um, you know, I, I do think at some point Jacksonville is going to get tripped up, and if it wasn't last week, this might be the spot. You know, we, we always recite the Mike Tomlin underdog stats uh, in a situation like this. 57-31-4 as a dog in his career. 18-5-3 ATS as a home underdog. So I, I like the Steelers here. I, I, whatever devil magic they have going on, like I, I, still, I still refuse to believe this is a good team. Uh, but I, I do think getting Deontay Johnson back helps, right? And you know, he actually was added to the injury report today. So that is something to monitor. Uh, looked like he tweaked his hamstring at some point. This week, um, you know, if he doesn't play, you know, that that maybe changes things as far as, uh, you know, the, the, this Pittsburgh passing game. But 
Um, I, I think Jacksonville's going to struggle to run the ball. I think the you know the narrative in the fantasy world has been, oh man, the Jags they're running the ball so well. Etn, he's a top three running back on the year. It's it's all touchdowns, right? Like you take away, he's basically putting up like two touchdowns a game over the last three or four weeks. Like the yardage has not been good. The EPA per play has been terrible. Like they're thirtieth in rushing EPA on the year. So I, I think there's a little bit of a disconnect there uh, as far as you know to what degree this Jags offense is really rolling. So I I, I like the spot uh, for the Steelers and. Um, I, I could see that winning this game outright at home. Yep, I could as well. That, that's interesting stuff on, on the on the ETN front. It does feel like it, it's either a nice touchdown for him or he's just getting bottled up right at the line. Yeah, yeah. The yardage has, has just really not been there. Uh, you know, we had the the explosive game against Buffalo, but other than that, the the, the three games uh, you know during this winning streak, he's at 55, 55, 53 yards, and you know the the, the workload has been there each week. All right, let's move on to. Oh, boy. I, I teased it earlier, John. The total's at 35. Falcons at the Tennessee Titans and the Atlanta Falcons, for some reason, John, are three-point favorites on the road. You know, we're, we're talking to Jess here a little bit. I understand it. The Titans are expected to start Will Levis. They are imploring, insisting that we will see Malik Willis as well. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe maybe they, they have some, you know, kind of designed plays for Malik Willis, but I, I think we see mostly Will Levis, and I am – I am intrigued. You know, I, I think, you know, banged up Ryan Tannehill versus Will Levis in his first NFL game. Like how, how big of a downgrade is that for you? Well, um, I, I look forward to the designed Malik Willis delay of game. What are they doing? But, um, you know, we, we've got a little uh, master versus grasshopper here with, with Brabel going up against uh, Arthur Smith. Yeah. But I think the Falcons are, solid uh you know i i hate uh giving points on, on the road and and trusting the falcons with with points and the titans they're they're all over the map they they can you know have a game like the one against the Bengals, but they can also have a game like the one against the browns so um anything is possible with, with these guys and yeah. who knows i mean they, there's uh heating up trade rumors that this could be like the last time that we see derrick henry uh in a, in a titans uniform i think they should also be actively looking to to offload DeAndre Hopkins, that never made sense to me in the, in the first place. But I like the Falcons here. I think Bijan obviously gets a lot more involved this week. And uh, uh, Ritter, probably not going to have the, the three red zone turnovers this time, at least probably not. Um, the, the Titans just uh, set, sent off Kevin Byard, one of the, their most important pieces in, in the back end of that defense. So, you know, this could be a really nice spot for, for Kyle Pitts and you know, when you really are just like you got to you got to make a choice here. Will Levis is I don't think he's going to have immediate success. I, I don't, I'm not completely writing him off because he is toolsy. But first game against a good defense, even if it is at home, I, I think we could see some disastrous type of plays from Levis. So give me the Falcons. Yeah, the Falcons defense being a top 10 unit, I, I think has gone a little bit undercovered. And I think that's the reason that they, they're they sitting where they're sitting right now. I mean, the offense has been extremely unpredictable, extremely turnover prone, but the defense has continued to step up throughout this season. Uh, you know, I talked about the Jags being kind of fraudulent on the ground. Like, so is Atlanta, right? You think of them as this, this you know, running team. They, they got a quarterback who can run. They got two running backs who they're comfortable using. I mean, they're down to 27th in rushing EPA on the year. So it, it's, it's still the, the backbone of that offense, but you know, more often than not, the last few weeks, they've had to put the ball in Desmond Ritter's hands. And, you know, that's given us uh, varied results, to say the least. So I, you know, in, in my picks article this week, John, I, I kind of split the difference. I, I took Tennessee to cover, but I took the Falcons to win. You know, th this feels to be like a like a 19 to 17 type of game. So, the, I mean, according to the to the over-under, that's a shootout. 
That would be. Yeah, we'd be just flying over uh, that total. But that, that's enough talk about this game. I mean, it's we, we just don't know. We don't know when it comes to Will Levis. And, you know, if, if he if he could come in and, and even just game manage, you know, I don't think you're, you're asking Will Levis to step in and win you this game. But if he if he could just not turn the ball over and make a few throws here and there, then I think Tennessee can absolutely hang around here at home. It's, it's still a little bit jarring uh, to see the Falcons, you know, get given three points uh, on the road. Levis, but, but to your point there, like, I don't feel like it's in Levis's DNA to be game manager like he, okay. you watch him his entire time at, at Kentucky when he was a starter like he was going going for broke pretty much yeah. every time he drops back so like it, unless the, the Titans have been able to to alter that that mentality for him like I feel like Levis is just gonna like okay. overamp himself into some dumb dumb stuff on Sunday all right Falcons it is then and uh, I guess I, I guess if I'm saying it's gonna be 1917 then I, I love the over on 35. <laughs> Uh, let's get into the late window. Oh, wait, no, excuse me. This is this is not a late window game. This is our final noon game. Eagles Commanders. Uh, we're seeing the Eagles as seven point favorites at DraftKings. Uh, that's that's a number across the board. You could maybe find some six and a halfs earlier this week, but holding at seven now. I, I like the Eagles here, and it, it's dangerous. Seven is not a number that you you typically want to bet. I, I totally get that. Um, but I, I think Washington had its chance to beat the yep. Eagles earlier this year. They lost that game in overtime. That was a just a clunky performance by the Philadelphia Eagles. I, it feels to me like they're getting back on track. The one thing that, that has not been on track for them is the turnovers. They've, they've turned it over seven times in the last three games. They forced only one turnover in that three-game stretch. So if they can cut back on the turnovers, even if you, even if you just turn it over once, you know, even if you, you don't have a, a tipped pick six that just hands your opponent seven points, um, I, I think we'd, we'd feel pretty good about the Eagles here. And, you know, Washington, to me, they have been the, the most unpredictable team week to week. And that's saying a lot because there's like 10 teams that fit that bill. But – uh, you know, some weeks they're they're cruising to, to 30 points. They're whipping the ball all over the place. Other weeks they are scoring seven points against the New York Giants. So I just I, I can't put my faith in Washington right now. Sam Howell has been sacked at least five times in five straight games, including that Eagles game earlier this year. Um, I think this is a, a big smash spot for the Philadelphia defensive line. I think it's a smash spot uh, for the Eagles offensive line. Get that running game going. Um, you know, I, I, I know Washington is in to some degree had the Eagles number as much as any team has in that division. Over the last couple of years, they, they, they seem to play these close games, you know, seemingly for no reason. Uh, but I, I, I'm leaning Philly here pretty hard. I am, too. Um, I, I think that Washington's kind of in shambles. Uh, I thought their performance last week against the Giants was, was abysmal. And, yeah, they, like they already uh, took their best swing at, at Philly on the road uh, back in week three, I want to say. So uh, this time around, I think that uh, the Eagles know what what the best punches and combos are that that uh, that. Washington can throw their way, and I think uh, Philly will be ready for them. I think that defensive line is going to eat. I think uh, mm -hmm. Sam Howell, uh, as much as I, I like watching him play, holds onto the ball way too long. That's a huge red flag going up against this Philadelphia front seven that even got my guy Nolan Smith going last week. Yep. So dogs, dogs everywhere on on that Eagles defense. I, I, I like the Eagles to win this one, and it's going to – I don't know. I wonder if we're going to hear some Ron Rivera hot seat talk after this one. I, I think we may. I think we may, John. I, I saw a stat, you know, you're talking about Sam Howell hanging on to the ball. Uh, you know, last week, he threw the ball away on 13% of his dropbacks, which 13% doesn't seem that high. That's very high. Like normally it's like four or 5% for most quarterbacks. Like it's just th their whole offense is it's like, all right, if we can't run the ball and look, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball on Philly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, all right, uh, just kind of run around and, and see what you can do. And you know, more often than not, that's, that's just not going to be successful. Um, you know, he actually, it was just three off the record. Uh, for most time sacked through seven games. He's got 40 sacks 
so far this season. Uh, David Carr, of course, uh, with the Texans in 2002, holds that record. But he made a run at it. Yeah, so we'll see if, uh, if we can catch back up this week. I think uh, Philadelphia could help to that end. All right, now we are officially into the late window. Uh, we have four games on the late slate this Sunday. Brown Seahawks. Kind of a sneaky fun game here, John. I, I'm intrigued by all four of these late window games. Uh, Seahawks up to four point favorites at home. Uh, Browns is going to be PJ Walker again. Uh, he's actually you know, already signed to the active roster. Uh, big step for him. Uh, we'll, we'll see on Deshaun Watson. Man, that, that's a conversation for another day as far as you know, if or when he ever gets back to looking remotely like himself. Uh, we have some other injuries that we're keeping an eye on. You know, Kareem Hunt was back at practice on Thursday. That's a good sign for his availability. Uh, not expecting Jerome Ford to be available for the Browns. Could see some Pierre Strong in that backfield. Uh, David Njoku also back on the practice field. He's dealing with a knee injury, but both of those guys seem to be moving in the right direction. I, I, I have some interest here in the Browns uh, as a live dog, John. And it, part of that stems from what we talked about, you know, back with the Colts earlier in the show. I, I think the Browns defense rebounds here. I, I, I think, you know, going into last week, I, I saw some talk about like, you know, they were saying like, oh, we don't have a nickname yet. We're waiting for the fans to give us a nickname. It's like, well, you're not getting a nickname if you're letting Gardner Minshew turn the ball over four times and still put up 30 points on you. Uh, 38 points, I should say. Uh, I, I think they rebounded a big way here. Seattle, Seattle's a, the better team. No question. I, I'm actually still in on Seattle. They, they've had some weird games the last couple of weeks. Like, absolutely should have won that Bengals game two weeks ago. Uh, you know, last week, it, it won and covered against the Cardinals, but still wasn't as convincing as you would like. Like, Arizona did not play well in that game. And, you know, Seattle had two bad turnovers back-to-back -back, um, you know, in the second half that made that a little bit tighter than it was. So, I think Seattle wins this game, but I could see it being a three-pointer where, where you get the win with Seattle, but the cover with Cleveland. Yeah, I, I like Cleveland here as well. I think, you know, go, going back to that uh, Bengals game uh, for, for Seattle, you know, what what kind of stopped them from making that comeback? It was the offensive line letting down against a very good Cincinnati pass rush. Now, Cleveland's yeah. is even better. Um, and Miles My Garrett is playing out of his freaking mind right now. So, um, I, I think that the defense does lock back in the, this week. And, you know, there, there's been, uh, you know, Kenneth Walker, I think, uh, should, popped up on the injury yeah. uh, report. Well. That, yep. So that that's that's an important detail for, for Seattle. I think they, they need to be balanced uh, to be at their best. And if if the Browns are able to to key in on, on one thing, and that's Geno Smith dropbacks, I think that uh, we could be in for, for kind of a long day. I, I know that uh, Seattle should be getting DK Metcalf back. Uh, yep. Not that it mattered because Jake Bobo was so sick last week, but um, regardless, um, I, I do view the Browns as a very live dog uh, in this spot as well. I love that is uh, that they're getting three and a half. Yeah, and like I said, it's up to four at some books, so you're getting getting even a little more cushion there if you like the Browns. Uh, you know, Tyler Lockett did not practice yesterday. We'll see what his status is. Same with Noah Fant. Uh, you know, their starting center Evan Brown missed last week. No, no real firm update on him, but they could be down an offensive lineman or two. And I, I think that point holds up that you made about, you know, the, the, basically the reason that they lost to Cincinnati uh, was, was that they could not handle that pressure, whether it was resulting in sacks or throwaways or, or rush throws. And you know, I think if you're having that trouble uh, against the the Cincinnati Bengals, you're absolutely going to have it against Miles Garrett and this Browns team. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not quite going as far as to say I think Cleveland you know goes on the road with P.J. Walker and wins this game. But I think we get a very competitive game and uh, would not be surprised, you know, if it's a two or three point spread uh, total, by the way, is, is 38. Uh, so we mentioned, you know, those those you want to be targeting uh, those underdogs with these low totals. Browns fit that bold this week. Let's go to your team, John, the Baltimore Ravens. They are nine and a half point favorites. Uh, that is tied with the Bills 
uh, for the biggest favorite of the week. Uh, they get the Arizona Cardinals. They're on the road. 44 and a half is our total. Uh, any reason to to think of this as a potential trap spot for Baltimore, John, coming off of that just dominating win over Detroit last week? Well, it's a, it's a very public play. It looks like about 89% of the action is coming in on, on Baltimore covering this one. But public has, for the most part, uh, been right this year, last weekend, not notwithstanding. Yeah, we don't have to talk um, about last week. No, no, the, the, it is, it's gone. Um, but the Ravens, I think they really found some some impressive rhythm and and uh, you know the the Todd Munkin philosophy um, I think started to to like really uh, manifest itself against Detroit. I, obviously, they're going to get up for that game, and you know maybe you're concerned that a, a cross country trip to a uh, to play a bad team uh, would be enough to to kind of take away some of that uh, motivation. But I I think that the Ravens know that they need to build on that game. And I think that they really do end up taking care of business. I just think man-to-man, personnel-wise, I, I don't see the the Cardinals' defense being able to to keep a lid on, on this Ravens' offense if it's clicking uh, in any sort of uh, form as it was a week ago. And then uh, the Ravens, Roquan Smith was not practicing yesterday, was back today. That's huge. So that that's a defense that I think is really going to hold uh, Arizona to, you know, I, I think – you're, you're topping out at Air, for Arizona at like 17 points on Sunday. So I, I think the Ravens should be able to get to 30 in this spot. I like the Ravens. Yeah, I'm, I'm right in line with you, John. You know, it's, it's always going to be a, a little bit nerve wracking. I know when I wrote my article yesterday, the number was eight and it's moved a point and a half, which we don't love. But I, Arizona's just shown a lot of slippage on both sides of the ball and especially the defense. I mean, they're, they're down to 30th at defensive EPA, 5.7 yards per play. You know, they're allowing opponents to score on 46.5% of their offensive drives. And, you know, they started the season 3-0 ATS. They've now failed to cover four times in a row. And I, I tend to think that continues here. Uh, we should mention, by the way, that, you know, Kyler Murray, we, we had some news earlier today on him and his, you know, impending return at some point off the injury report as of Thursday, uh, still technically on the reserve pup list. Like, I, I don't think the expectation is that he plays, but still kind of kind of odd that they would make that decision now. It'd be a wild move for Arizona to throw him back into the wolves like in this spot. But, um, you know, I I don't put anything past Arizona, but to your point on them uh, starting out hot against the spread and coming back to earth to quote the great late, great Dennis green. They are who we thought they were. They, they sure are John. And, and oftentimes you see that, you know, when a team, a team with the talent that the Cardinals has starts the way they did, you're like, all right, something's going to regress here. And yeah, we've seen it. And, you know, again, last week, see, I thought Seattle played like a C plus game, Still one by 10, still covered. And I think Baltimore could do the same. Um, all right, that brings us to Chiefs-Broncos. Second time in three weeks, John, that we're getting a Chiefs-Broncos matchup. This one is in Denver. Chiefs, seven-point road favorites, total up at 46. Interesting number. You know, uh, it, it's kind of like uh, Commanders-Eagles to me in some ways, where obviously the Chiefs have been the vastly better team. They, they win straight up every single time. And, and yet the Broncos, the last couple of years, have been able to, to find ways to keep these games close. You know, they played a couple one-score games last year, uh, you know, even a couple of weeks ago. You know, that was a, a game where the Chiefs didn't even get to 20 points. I, I barely mean, part, covered. Right, barely, barely covered. I mean, just point. an ugly, ugly cover, a dirty cover, some would say. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to believe that Denver has, like, you know, snapped its finger and, and suddenly become a better defense. I think a lot of it last week was just playing against a horrible offense in Green Bay. Uh, but they've, they've made some progress, right? They, they haven't allowed 70 points in like five weeks now. So there's yeah, that. Pretty good. Uh, but tough number here at seven. I I, I kind of blindly lean Chiefs, um, you know, especially after how that offense looked last week. But again, it's the LA Chargers. I don't really know how to judge that team. 
Uh, can Denver hang tough again here at home? I'm saying no, but I, I'm not strong enough on it to to say that it that we need to include the Chiefs on, on the ticket this week. I, I do think the Chiefs uh, get this done, but uh, it is it is a little bit unsettling uh, that this is on the road. Uh, you got to cover by more than a touchdown. That that's enough for me to to stay off of it. I, I think that you know the the Eagles comparison is a very good one, um, but I, I'm much more confident in the Eagles getting it done this week than I am the Chiefs. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, part of me, you know, kind of by that same logic, I feel like Denver had their chance a couple of weeks ago. It's like, what, what are the odds that they, you know, that they keep this Kansas City under or this Kansas City offense under wraps for the second time in three weeks? I, I would say not great, but uh, yeah, at, at seven, it's, it's probably a pass for me. Let's move on. Uh, Bengals 49ers, the final game in the late window. Uh, we got Bears Chargers and Raiders Lions still to come, uh, but we'll close out the Sunday afternoon slate here. 49ers down to three and a half point favorites. We'll get into that in a moment. Total is 43 and a half. Bengals coming off a bye here, John. When this number sat at five and a half earlier in the week and we thought Brock Purdy was playing, all over it. Now Brock Purdy's out. We're losing two points of value, but in step Sam Darnold. Um, I, I I don't know that there's going to be a, a massive fall off, especially without Purdy's played the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, obviously, you kind of get the Shanahan bump for Sam Darnold. Uh, but as long as this number's staying above three, which it is, I, I'm inclined to ride Cincinnati here. I am too, um, and and the the lines over at Circa ha, have locked, and we we've got the Bengals at three and a half, so that that's more than that field goal cushion. Love that. Um, I think that the Bengals are, you know, they're they're coming off a bye. They're they're a team that needed its bye when it when it came, right? Because you know that T Higgins been banged up. Joe Burrow, uh, you know, may, maybe outside of the the Cardinals game, hasn't fully looked himself just yet. So getting the, the week off to, to rest that calf, I think was really important for them. And they go out to, I know San Francisco's lost a couple weeks in a row. So, so people are, are kind of starting to, to ask questions and, and so on, but, um, and I get that, and I, but I still view the, the Niners as probably the best team in football, the chiefs right, right there with them. But I, I do like the Bengals in this spot, especially with, with the spread. And frankly, um, if the Bengals play their A game, I think they win this one outright. Oh yeah, no question. I, I think if the Bengals, if the Bengals look like last year's Bengals coming out of the bye and Burrow's fully healthy and T. Higgins is is back and he's not dropping balls, then I, I think this is absolutely a spot where I could see Cincinnati winning this game. I mean, like I said, even even when we thought it was going to be Purdy at five and a half, I'm like, this is that that was going to be one of my easiest picks of the week at three and a half. You know, I, I have a little bit more pause, but um, I, I think I think Cincinnati, you know. You also got to keep pace in your own division, right? And, and I think that's part of the, the the case for Baltimore this week too. Is like you can't you can't afford slip ups here. You, you can't, you, especially Cincinnati, the way they started the year. It's like every team in the AFC North feels like it's winning every single week. Like you you need these games, and it's easier said than done when you're playing on the road at San Francisco. Um, on the other side, it's like it's kind of inconceivable to me to think that San Francisco, based on how we thought of them a couple of weeks ago, could just lose three games in a row straight up. Uh, like that, that, that's a little bit backwards, but you know, you're, you're on to Sam Darnold. You're going to be without Debo Samuel again. There's some other injuries on both sides for San Francisco. So I, yeah, I, I like the Bengals here. And you know, the, I think the, the bye week advantage in the, the, the belief that we're going to see a better version of Burrow and a better version of T Higgins is, is ultimately what pushes it over for me. Exactly. Exactly. So that this is, I mean, I think this might be the game of the weekend. I'm really excited to to see, you know, how this one unfolds. It's too bad about about Purdy, but uh, Darnold probably not the, the biggest drop off in the world. So um, I, I think we're going to see a really good game here, really closely contested. I think it, it probably comes down to a field goal, and therefore, do like the Bengals yeah. still. 
yeah, I'd be very surprised if this is a blowout one way or the other. Um, so I think that's one way to look at it as well. Sunday night football, John, we are we are blessed with the Chicago mm-hmm. Bears in primetime yet again. Uh, they're at the L.A. Chargers, a pair of two-win teams. Chargers, eight-and-a-half-point favorites, 46-and-a-half is our total. What do we do here? I, I, I don't know if I can trust the Chargers against anybody, even at home against the Bears, uh, as more than a touchdown favorite. Nope, can't do it. I, I, I hate the Chargers in this spot. Uh, the Chargers make me very upset every single week, seemingly. Um, the Bears, you know, they, they figured some things out. Obviously, they're playing up playing against a, a quarterback situation that that is going to be a lot tougher um, this week. But I can't say that with any like level of confidence that the Chargers won't find a way to self-implode or self-destruct right. um, in their own right. So um, I, I think that the Bears defense has played better over these last few weeks generally. Um, you know, going back to the Washington game, you, the Vikings, they held the under 20 points. And obviously that was their first game without Justin Jefferson. But, you know, point stands. Um, I think this is a Bears defense is coming together just enough. And and I think that if the Bears just kind of have a very vanilla game plan for Tyson Bajant and just go go heavy on that run game again, I think that that's a recipe to stay within the number here. And and I, I, I'd be lying if I'd say I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if the Bears won this one. But at the same time, it's like with the Chargers, is it really that much of a slam dunk? Not that the slam dunk with the Chargers, man. And if, if they lose this game straight up, Staley's out. I, I think I yeah. could say that. Um, you know, what What worries me about the Bears is, yes, the, the defense is better than you think, but it's, it's almost entirely the run defense that's carrying that right now. You know, they are they're 10th right now in EPA against the run, which is really good. But the Chargers can't really run on anybody, so I, I don't know if that really changes things. And the Bears are 31st against the pass. So Concerning. It, it, Right. And, you know, the Chargers run defense has been better. Like by Chargers standards, it's been fantastic. They're like 19th in the league, which is you know not good. But again, they're usually in the bottom five. Um, the Chargers are 30th against the pass. So they're, they're just as bad as Chicago. So if it turns into like, all right, neither team's going to be able to run. They're both going to be throwing the ball. Who do I trust more? I, I trust Justin Herbert, obviously, more than I do Tyson Bajan. So like that that's what worries me. Like the, the way that the Bears were able to stay in against Minnesota, win that game last week against the Raiders was running the ball, you know, not asking Tyson Bajan to really do anything other than make some open throws. I, I think if you're asking him to do more than that, th- this could be trouble. So I, uh, I, 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 you know, while, while acknowledging that the chargers will, will definitely find a way to charger this up and it, it could totally be a, a seven point game. I, I see it, but um, I, I could also see this kind of being a, a all right, it's Tyson Bajan. It's he is who we thought he was that type of game for the Chicago sure. bears. Right. And therefore I, I cannot, uh, include this one on the table. No. It's just there too many variables at play. Like I, I, I do have that latent concern, like you said, that, um, you know, the, the other shoe drops uh, when it comes to Tyson Bajan. Um, do you, do you really expect him to go another week without, without turning the ball over? No, I don't. So yeah. um, that that's definitely concerning, but uh, in my heart of hearts, I cannot trust the charges with, with this many yeah. points, but uh, about 60% of the people are saying that the bears uh, hang in here. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. Bears are 29th in pressure rate. They're dead last in sack rate too. It's like, that's, that's part of the recipe, right? It's like, you got to get after Justin Herbert. You got to make him uncomfortable. You got to make him force throws. And I, I just don't think the bears do that. You know, I, I think, I think we see a, a pretty productive offense for the chargers. And uh, you know, if, if LA is getting to 28, 31, 34 points in this game, it's like, at, at what point does Chicago kind of drop off? Like I, I don't see them keeping up if it turns into a shootout. No, no chance. No chance under that setup. So the Bears are absolutely going to have to play their game. And, uh, you know, if you're back in the Bears here, 
Uh, you're just hoping that, that Brandon Staley's uh, incompetence is damaging and um, Eberflus's uh, incompetence just is, is kind of baseline normal, like not really helping, but not really hurting either. All right, let's finish out with Raiders Lions Monday Night Football. Uh, another banger here uh, in primetime, John. I, yeah, Jeff and I every week on the radio show we're just like you know just railing against these scheduling decisions. But look, I'm going to watch it. I, look, I, we can complain all we want. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch every single minute of both of these games. Oh, yeah. The Detroit Lions are eight point favorites at home. Forty six is our total. Th- this is setting up as like the bounce back of all bounce back spots for Detroit. I think so as well. Um... I think last week is concerning for for the Lions uh, going forward when they play good teams, but not really against the Raiders. And and they're at home. Um, they're they're not going to slip up twice in a row. They're not going to get beaten badly uh, twice in a row. Obviously, you know they're they're giving a lot of points here, but I think they they get there. Um, I, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be a huge problem for for this Raiders secondary. I think Jameer Gibbs kind of uh, having his arrival last week is another, you know, kind of multifaceted addition to this offense. If they're able to get anything out, out of Jamison Williams, it, that's just icing on the cake. And then, you know, I, I think that this is a Raiders offense that is really stuck in the mud. I mean, the fact that they couldn't run uh, whatsoever last week was concerning. Um, yeah, the, the quarterback situation is up in the air to, to say the least. So this is just a, a bad spot for the Raiders. And I, I expect this one to, to get rather ugly. Um, I like the Lions here, even even in spite of last week. Yeah, still some concerns, you know, about like if David Montgomery doesn't play, which I don't think he's trending toward right now. Uh, you know, didn't practice today. Obviously, they're they're kind of a, a day behind everybody else playing on Monday. But I, I don't think Montgomery's going to be out there. And you know, when, when they've played their best games, it's been David Montgomery as the battering ram, kind of leading the way. So that's that's what gives me just a little bit of pause with Detroit, but. I, I don't, you know, the Raiders to me are kind of like the Packers and they beat the Packers. So yeah, maybe we feel better yeah. about them, but it's like, man, what you're just scratching the decline to try to find anything positive there. And yeah, you know, Jimmy G coming back, uh, you know, if that indeed happens, I think it's a boost, but it, it's not really enough to, to, to change my opinion here. And I, I think, I think Detroit's the type of team that, you know, rallies behind a loss like that. Right. I mean, they're, they're, they're absolutely disgusted with how they played in Baltimore. And I think coming back home, facing the Raiders two weeks on the road, you know, tough scheduling spot for Detroit, um, I, I think this is a really, really, really good spot for the Lions, uh, you know, especially um, you know, on a bit of a, a longer week to prep for the Raiders. So I'm, I'm with you there. I'll take Detroit with the points. Uh, all right, John, that brings us to the, the the fun part of the pod. Let's talk a little Survivor. And, you know, we, we always try to issue a, uh, you know, like a warning at this point. Like, we, we don't know who you have left. We can't tell you play this team because it's different for everybody. Uh, but you, you got a lot of fairly obvious options this week. You, you do. Um, there, there's some big spreads on the board. You know, you could start out uh, and, and get it out of the way potentially uh, Thursday night uh, with the Bills going up against the Bucks. I'm not quite there, though. But I, I view that uh, the, the Lions, as we were just talking about, and the Ravens are, are kind of like the, the obvious top two. Um, the Dolphins certainly under consideration because I like the Patriots. Um, against the spread, I will recuse myself for, from that one. But I, I think the Finns are definitely a solid option. I use them against the Panthers. I feel like most people have probably use the Dolphins at this point, but if they're still available and they're, they're your best option, I think that that's the direction that you go in. Um, and then I, I, beyond that, a couple of divisional favorites, uh, you know, that we kind of uh, lumped together. That's the Eagles um, and the Chiefs in their respective matchups. And then uh, my sicko one w- would be the Jets. Although after, after talking about it a little bit more with, with you, um, I, I feel less good about that. 
Well, we'll see. We'll see, man. I think I think the Jets get it done. And look, if you're putting them in the sicko tier, I, I think you know what you're signing up for, right? There's you know, right. All, all bets are off if you're going with the sicko tier. And look, I think taking the the Bears or the Raiders last week was was absolutely sicko tier material. <laughs> it was, and I I got completely yeah, sick for it. Mm. You know, but that's all the right. game you play, like you said. Yeah, let's go to parlays of the week, John. Uh, I'll start this week. I'm, I'm right. pairing the the Jets money line, the Minnesota Vikings money line. And we're taking the Rams, one of our favorite dogs, plus six against Dallas. That gets you to plus 496 at DraftKings. Ooh, okay. I like that. Um, that's uh, That checks out to me across, across the board. De- definitely on the Rams, they are actually included in mine. So mine is a money line parlay. Um, I'm, I'm swinging for the fences a little bit more. Usually I'm doing three minus 110 bets that gets you about six to one. This one pays out plus 937. Be the Rams. Money line, Bengals, also money line, and then the Lions to kind of pad it. Lions okay. money line um, that gives you plus nine thirty seven odds. Ooh, they like that. All right, a couple of dog money lines there. Good stuff, mm-hmm. John. Uh, all right, the teaser of the week. We're going with a seven pointer here. We are teasing the Baltimore Ravens from uh, nine and a half down to two and a half. We're teasing the Chiefs from seven down to even. They just got to win uh, against the Denver Broncos, which they have done sixteen times in a row. And we are teasing the Detroit Lions down from eight to minus one. So Baltimore, two and a half. Chiefs, just straight up win. Lions uh, got a win by at least two against the Las Vegas Raiders. That gets you to plus 130. And John, that brings us to the crescendo of the podcast, your best bet for NFL Week 8. Give me the Rams against the spread. So I, I know for the parlay purposes, we, you know we're, we're chasing a big number there, but um, playing a little bit safer with, with the best bet, but I do like the road underdog to, to cover this one. I I am shook on Dallas. I, I can't quite get there with them, and I think that the Rams are, are better than what this line implies, so give me L.A. Okay. Uh, I'm going the complete opposite direction, John. I'm taking one of the biggest favorites on the board. I'm totally copping out, but I'm going with the Lions. I, it's I, I been working it's for you all year. It's too good of a spot. Yeah, I'm a coward. Say what it is, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'm going with the Lions. I, I, I think you know coming back home, uh, playing on Monday night, you know, that, that place is going to be fired up. They're going to be looking to bounce back. The Raiders, Raiders feel kind of dead in the water to me. They're they're like a worse version of the Saints where you, you just kind of mm-hmm. feel like nobody on this team really believes that they're moving in the right direction. Like we're we're overdue for another Devontae Adams. Like, yeah, this team's pretty bad. Uh, it's not really what I expected type of press conference. Uh, should be getting that in the next week or two. Uh, so we're, we're rolling with the Detroit Lions at minus eight. And you are taking the Rams to cover against the Dallas Cowboys. That'll do it for us. Uh, we want to thank our, our sponsor, Circa. Make sure to check out CircaLasVegas.com. You can book your stay at Circa. Check out Stadium Swim. They're open 365 days a year. Again, that's CircaLasVegas.com. Best of luck to everybody betting week eight in the NFL. We thank everyone who joined us live on Twitter, live on YouTube. You can, of course, find us wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back next week. John, good luck, man. Cheers. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.